0: If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I speak to you often about the special mystery that resides within this relationship that we have with God. A mystery that conceals much of the interaction that actually takes place all during the moments of our day. God's sovereign hand reaching in to our souls and our circumstances, working continuously to bring about a plan that He has divinely orchestrated. And then comes our part of that interaction, our responding to His will, to His plan, with acts of our own will, becoming, as these words instruct, more than hearers, more than someone who's just listening right now, but someone who will also be doers of His work. For myself, though I'm able to clearly see some of that mysterious interaction taking place each day, I really do want to see so much more of it. And I prayed that prayer over the last several years of my life that the Lord would let me see His hand at work up close even when it's actually taking place. And again, I can hear those other mysterious words of Jesus ringing in my mind that it's the person who has eyes to see and ears to hear who will be able then to see and hear and sense for all those many different deeper workings of God. His divine hand again reaching in to our heart and soul and mind and circumstances and actually directing Our path for that moment or that day, that circumstance. In verse 21, we see how God takes the first step by reaching into our being and therein planting His divine word within our soul, within our spirit, and our mind. And again, as we've been saying in our study of this passage, these are not just ordinary words that we can hear and perhaps put away in our memory for later on. Now these implanted words that we've been studying about are the very words and person of the Lord Jesus. A concept that's hard for us to understand, but it's true. Because these words have a dynamic power that go beyond our ordinary comprehension. They're words that actually engage our thoughts and our behaviors and our activities as they take place? Do you believe that? Do you believe that that is taking place? If you have Christ as your Savior, He has implanted this Word within us that actually engages our thoughts, engages our behaviors, influencing us, guiding us towards being and doing things that we would not Otherwise, do. We pray the verse, Proverbs 3, that we are to lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Him and He will direct our path. you ever thought about what those words mean? Directing our path. That is this engagement of this living Word that lives within the heart and soul of every believer, engaging thoughts, engaging activities, and then directing our path. Now, why do I keep repeating this Sunday after Sunday, especially here in the last few weeks? It's because in our natural state of being, and that's what he refers to here, when we look at our natural face in the mirror, when in our natural state of being, that one that we're born into... We really cannot and will not do these next things that God is instructing us to do here. In verse 22, be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We're comfortable with doing little or nothing. But here God is saying, no, you've got to go past that or else there's no sense in you sitting here and listening to this. There's no sense in you and me being hearers of the truth and being unwilling to do anything with it. It's a waste. In our natural state of being, again, that one that we're born into as an unbeliever, we don't even have the desire to be the doer that God is talking about here. Romans 3 tells us that. Verse 10 there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is no one who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. And listen, there is none who does good, not even one. That is our natural state of being that we come into this life in. These next words here in verse 23 of James remind us of that same condition. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, looks at himself and he goes away and at once, immediately, forgets what he looks like. That's what we do. There is a mirror within these words of God that I share with you each Sunday. You look into that mirror and you see yourself. If you walk out of here and do nothing with it, you're this kind of man. Sadly. Sadly. And that is what so many within churches do these days. Because God intends this to be a mirror for you and me to look into. See what we really look like. But for the purpose that we would do something about it. I was listening to a message by MacArthur... John MacArthur this past week. He said, you know, it's so heartbreaking because he has over his years of preaching come to realize that by Monday, maybe Tuesday, maybe even Wednesday, but at the most then, most everyone in his congregation has already forgotten what the Sunday message was all about. Discouraging, heartbreaking, because he held up the mirror Everybody saw, but then they forgot what they looked like. See, that's the point in this passage, that unless our efforts are combined with something beyond our own abilities, here he's talking about this divinely implanted Word of God that has actually been put within us, and it is there. If we have Christ, this this implanted Word is there. That unless we go ahead and reach back towards God. He has reached to us. Unless we reach back towards Him, then we'll walk away from this message and every other one and forget what we look like. And he's saying here, but if we will humbly surrender our hearts and minds and souls and meekly receive, he says, meekly receive this Word that's been implanted within us, then we'll immediately begin to hear and see things that we've never heard and seen before. We'll have wisdom. We'll have understanding. That'll enable us then to move on forward to the next step. Now, I want to repeat myself. So I'm going to say some of the same things I just said to you because it needs to be repeated. At the first moment that we receive Christ as our Savior, God does His part. He has saved us. He has called us into His family. And He immediately implants His divine Word within us. But the unfortunate part that I've been saying to us here is that even for us devout Christians, we fail to do our part. We fail to take that step on forward immediately. And we lose out on the power of His Word working in us and all the benefits that come from that. We have this implanted word. It is, as the Apostle Peter says, it is everything that we need for life and godliness. But we don't partake of it. We, we taste it a little bit, but that's all. It reminds me of a starving person that has this delicious bread right in the palm of their hand. But for some reason, they don't go ahead and take a bite. They don't go ahead and consume that whole thing, the bread of life that Jesus offers. It's right there. It is everything that they need for the nourishment that they require. But our flesh that we brought into this Christian life with us is hesitant. And so we find ourselves reverting back to living a life in the same way that we've always lived it because... That's where we were comfortable. No one was requiring anything of us. We didn't have to be doers of the Word. We could just hear all of this magnificent wisdom, both of the wisdom of the world and wisdom from Scripture, but then we could comfortably walk away from it. Let me say to you and me, if we have Christ as our Savior, we have the Holy Spirit living within us, and when we walk away, and not become doers of this Word, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And we quench His presence. There's a fire within the Holy Spirit. We quench that fire. And that fire's presence and its workings within our being. And we don't do the things then that He wants us to do. The implied command within these words here is that You and I need to immediately move on forward. Immediately. We can't just walk away from that mirror and forget. We are to look into, he says here in verse 25, into this perfect law. And he calls it the law of liberty. And we need to persevere. What does persevere mean? It means that it's got to be lasting. We can't let our response wane. We have to persevere. Persevere implies that there is conflict and that there is resistance and barriers. But we need to persevere and press on forward and become doers of what He's telling us to do. We need to become a doer who acts, who actually does things. And He says... There's a promise in this. You'll be blessed if you do it. Listen to these words. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So there's a reward. Hebrews 11 says that God is a rewarder of those who seek after Him. These words, the law of liberty... They are filled to the brim. I've studied through this quite a bit this week. It's filled to the brim with meanings and promises. What does God mean by them? Here God is telling you and me that we can be liberated, freed. Now, there is this assumption that we come into this Christian life with bondage. We may not realize that we come into our Christian life held captive, captive of so many things that have taken place in our life. And we bring it on in to our Christianity. We can be saved, but yet still in bondage. He's talking to believers here. This letter of James is written to believers. So it is assumed then that you and I bring this bondage into our Christian relationship, our relationship with Christ and with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Bondage. Bondage to those same old desires and passions and habits that work in every part of our being, in our heart, our soul, our mind, our flesh. We bring corruption into our Christian life with us. He warns us in Romans 6. He says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves as a slave to obey, you are the one slave of whom you obey? We, we become a slave to those old concepts and habits and beliefs. He says in Romans 6, He says, God forbid you should allow that to take place. You should allow that to continue. God forbid... And I want to say that. God forbid that I, that you, should allow that to continue. Because in Christ, when we are saved, He says, in Him, when the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Do you know what those words mean? It means it is absolute. When the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. You are absolutely set free. We are absolutely released from the power and the control of whatever those old sins were. And he assures of us of that in Romans 8. Listen, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, listen, has set you free from the law of sin and of death. All of those habits and Beliefs that were corrupt. They were sin and death and we have been set free from them. And because we've been truly set free from that bondage to all of those things, the question is, how can we then begin to, and I like this word, begin to apprehend, to take hold of the freedom that God is speaking about here and the blessings that He offers to us here. Romans 12, I'm convinced, tells us how to begin. Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He's not asking you to do anything special. He's simply saying to go ahead and present this fleshly body of ours as a living sacrifice. And then He says to us, and do not be conformed to this world. Do you know what conforming means? Conforming is like having this mold and you've got your Play-Doh and you force your Play-Doh down into this mold and then you turn it over and you dump it out and you see that it's formed some sort of figure. It's being conformed to that image that was in that mold. And that's what the Lord is saying to us here. That you and I do not need or must not allow ourselves to be conformed to this world. The world is this mold that tells you how you ought to think and act. Don't be stuck down inside that mold. But He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All that you used to think And used to believe very strongly in your natural state before you were saved. It's corrupt. It's corrupt. And he's saying, be transformed by a renewing of your mind to where you start to think differently and act differently. And he says, so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Folks, our flesh with all of its desires and habits are first put into check when we allow this indwelling Spirit of Christ to renew our minds, to renew our thinking. This presence of Christ, His Spirit within us, will renew our minds and change us and change the way we think from that condition that we once accepted as normal, that corrupt and unholy condition that kept us in this mold of the world, doing all of the things that we should not be doing. He wants to renew our mind. Let me give you one other thought regarding this renewing of the mind. One of the truisms that I have learned in recent years is that whatever our worldview is on a matter, and I'd like to ask you to do some study on biblical worldview but whatever our world view is on a matter so goes our behavior and our actions it's easy to see in politics that's why some of us might have voted for republicans this last election and why those voted democrat and then why these people are crying out and saying the world has ended because we now have this president that we have the last president's wife especially said those words, there's just no sense in living now that we have this new man in. Foolishness. Foolishness. But that's a worldview. And it dictates why all those people are out on the street screaming and yelling epithets at, at this man who's been elected. That's why you and I sit there in our chair and scream the same kind of epithets at those we disagree with. Our worldview controls what we think and say and do and what the Lord is saying, I want to transform that worldview into one that is godly. A second freedom that the law of liberty will bring to our souls is a freedom that will take place within our conscience as we repent and as we turn away from our old ingrained habits and behaviors this lifetime of sinful behavior, it'll bring guilt. Guilt that does not want to go away. Our conscience is just burdened with guilt. Do you have guilty conscience from things that you've done? There's a warning that's implied in all of this. That even though we go through the right steps of repenting, our conscience often will remain stubborn and not want to give up those old guilty feelings. And I know that to be true because that has occurred with me so often. I have repented of things that I have done before I knew the Lord or even sins I committed after I came to know the Lord. I've repented. But I still have a guilty feeling. That's the way the world the flesh and the devil works in us. Keeping us guilt ridden. And as we... Hang on to this bondage, to that guilt. We again, we grieve the Holy Spirit and we quench His power in us and we're not able to do the things that we should be doing. But thanks be to God, the Holy Spirit is far more vigilant than our enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the Holy Spirit, who is our comforter and our defender, all we have to do is just chisel our face towards the Lord and who He is and the Holy Spirit will at some point bring freedom. He is faithful to do that. And then we can finally move on. Now the third freedom that this law of liberty provides is freedom from control of our will. And therein is one of my most pressing difficulties. A person's will, your will, my will, by nature is not free. Our will is a slave to any number of masters. Our passions are often evil. Our pursuits are misguided. So often, even in this saved condition, we have these insatiable desires to have more and better and different things, different from what we have. And then our will will always rise up. I say this because this is what takes place with me. My will will rise up and do whatever it takes to have that thing that my heart desires. And folks, listen, that's a state of bondage. We're able to see because we're believers and that truth is implanted in our heart. We're able to see the evil in what is going on, but yet we're still drawn... To yield to it. We're trying to figure out how we might still keep it. And again, that is true for unbelievers, but it is true for us. And I want us to know that. One of the commentators that I studied on this matter of freedom from the control of our will, he made this simple statement. He said, while faith makes all things possible... It is love that makes all things easier. And he contends that obedience, and I agree, that obedience to the Lord and to what we know is right, simply out of duty or even out of fear of God, is not going to gain us very much. He will have our body, but the Lord says, I want your heart, soul, and mind. He'll have our willingness to obey, but He'll not have won our heart. How is that done? How do we find real freedom from this tyranny of our own will? We still want this, but we don't do it because we know it will make God mad. He says you need to turn it to a whole other direction. That freedom from that tyranny of our own will comes much more from an earnest desire to love. To love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love others around us because those are the two that whatever those problems that we're struggling with has to do with. has to do with God and it has to do with the people around us, our loved ones that where something is going wrong. And he says you have to stop obeying God simply because it's your duty and turn around and say, Lord... I want to love you. I want to love you and I want to love that person that I'm struggling with. Through love, you and I are far more apt to bridle our tongue, to be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger, and to actually become a doer, to reach then and want to help, want to do the things of God and want to help others who need help and to cease being simply a hearer Of the word and become a doer. Let me just say as we close if you only, if I only look into the mirror of what's been said here today and we walk away and forget what we saw, especially of ourselves, we might as well not have been here. I plead with us that we not let this be wasted time, that we be doers of God's word, that we be in. doers of God's Word and not hearers only. And I promise you on the authority of this Word that if we become doers then we will bless the Lord, we will bless others, and we ourselves will be blessed because that's what this Word promises. Let me close. Be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves.